Hi, I'm Phnom. Hi, I'm Artis. And we're the hosts of Future Future, where two designers talk about the future of everything. We're in the business of turning science fiction into reality for a better future. And today, we're going to talk about ergonomic design. So ergonomic design is about design that works for you rather than you working for it. Now in our modern life, we work on computers for long periods of time, we click on the keyboard a lot, and this causes all kinds of problems um, with you know, carpal tunnel syndrome, uh, fatigue, uh, repetitive injury syndrome, and even if you're not in the office, maybe you're in a manufacturing, maybe you're in a construction trade, anything you're doing over and over again really stresses out the body. So ergonomic design can be used to help counteract all these sort of fatigue and issues that we come with every day. So let's look down memory lane. How did we deal with ergonomic design in the past? So back in the day, we used to make things by hand, you know, with wood, with metal, with whatever we had around. And the craftsperson would, you know, run their hand over the product and make sure that it would be comfortable to the body, to the hand, right? That's why there were a little bit more curvy things back in the day, because there's no straight lines on the body, right? But over time, we refined, uh, designed, and explored different shapes and design languages. And about 20 years ago, if you saw a lot of the, you know, famous couches from famous designers, there were a lot of straight lines, there were a lot of like hard foams, and they were beautiful to look at, very iconic, but extremely uncomfortable to sit on. So along came what we call the lazy boy chair. And I think we're all pretty familiar with it. There's been millions of them sold, and they're a big, pillowy, sort of soft, sink into chair that you can sit in while you watch TV. And in fact, TV is probably why this came up. But this is really, overly ergonomic and it's fantastic but it's kind of frumpy looking it's not really attractive so next came the Aeron chair if you're not familiar with the Aeron chair it's sort of the pinnacle of uh, office chair design it was designed in 94 I think by Chadwick and Stump and they created something that countered everything we're familiar with no longer were we using heavy leathers and foams they used really light materials that are comfortable they used meshes that you sit on and allow air to kind of circulate so when you're sitting in a computer for say eight hours a day it's really comfortable your lumbar is supported your back is supported and you can uh, do these tasks without fatigue and the reason why it took so long for design to catch up to the body was because we needed development in material science and uh, really fine-tuning all of these details that make the product fit your body. And everybody's body is different, right? So adjustments are important and making sure that the average size of things actually fits you know, the average man and an average woman. And talking about bias, right? The vast majority of designers are men, so they design things for male proportions. And that makes complete sense. You know, they can test it on themselves immediately after they design it. But we need more women to design and we need more women to test the products on so they actually fit a much wider range of uh, average bodies. So to that point, be careful when you're modeling in three-dimensional software because you don't have that physical quality to really test against. You have to do 3D printing and rapid prototyping to really figure things out and be very iterative in your process to make sure you don't implicitly put bias into your designs. So let's talk about how designers make the right decisions when it comes to ergonomic design. 
So when we design today as industrial designers, we use a lot of 3D modeling tools, right, to create the shapes that are eventually manufactured and turned into products. So in that virtual world, uh, we may uh, take references from 3D heads, you know, female heads, male heads, child's heads, or, or hands or anything else. But that 3D head is not going to answer direct questions from you, right? They're not going to tell you, oh, this is not comfortable at this point, or this is you know, hitting this part of my head in a, in a wrong way. That's why you have to turn these 3D models into prototypes. You can 3D print or you can use any other tools. And then once you have these prototypes, you have to make sure they're the right weight, the center of gravity is in the right place, and then you have to test them on actual humans and then ask the questions. Is it comfortable? Can you walk with it? Can you run with it? Is it stable? Uh, do you see yourself using this thing all day long? Right? And then after you have your answers, you come back to the drawing board and then you continue the cycle again and again until you end up with a design that satisfies the vast majority of people you've tested it on. So when we talk about material science and ergonomics, advancements are coming out all the time. Certainly we can develop foams and different materials, the contour to the body, but when you're mass producing products, you're still doing it for a large number of people. It's not completely personalized. But what happens is we can do, now plan ahead and say, okay, we're gonna design a ski boot or a snowboard boot that comes out with a really nicely contoured inner shell, but then at the retail spot, they actually heat up the shell, they, you put your foot in there, and as it cools down, it contours specifically to your body, specifically to your ankle, your foot, so it's more safe, it's more secure, it's more comfortable, and you are ultimately happier on the slopes. So a lot of the times when we think of ergonomic design, we think of shapes or materials. But what's very exciting about the time we live in is that we can actually overlap multisensory experiences, right? It's not only about the touch, it's also about the smell. It's also about the sound it makes. It's also about the interaction it has with us, whether it's haptics, vibroacoustics, sound or anything else. So the ergonomics is the comfort in which you place yourself when you use a product or what you are around it. So other technological advancements that allow ultimate personalization in ergonomics are things like 3D body scans. You know, you can scan your body and then you can try on clothes at, you know, the retail outlet or online. But it goes well beyond that into like scanning the inner ear so you can have earbuds that are designed specifically for your ear. But don't do it just one ear, you gotta do both because your ears are different and we really wanna customize that. Things like generative design. It's the optimum design of uh, product and material for a very specific use case. This is a type of ergonomic design, or it could be an application of. The takeaway of this episode is that today's designers work a lot in the digital world. You know, they're creating these beautiful shapes, but they may or may not work on the human body. The only way to get there is to create the jump between digital and physical world. And only after we test these products on actual humans and ask them the right questions about does it fit them, does it make them feel secure, etc., are we going to refine that ergonomic design? But what we want as designers is to make the first contact with each product, whether it's physical contact, visual contact, something on the level of euphoria. We want people to experience pleasure when they are in the presence of our designs. So if you've enjoyed this conversation about ergonomics today, leave a comment below. Tell us how you might advance the ergonomic cause. And until next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye.